Hello, hello, hello. I'm just sharing the show out. You know how I do. And... Huh. Where am I? There I am. Hi! Hanging in. How are you? Hey, Bliss. Hey, Honest Passion. How is everyone tonight? I really am here. Really. I was just... um. Yeah, getting distracted. So tonight we're going to talk with, uh, well, it's tonight my time. I'm Eastern time. It is around six o'clock Eastern time. I'm going to talk with Bliss Winters, writer. I was looking at her profile and um, her book on Amazon. She is a lady. You have a lot going on. Oh my gosh. So much wonderful things going on. Um, Originally, I've kind of been exploring. Let me just catch you up. I've been exploring. I did a Twitter spaces and I've been exploring the concept of the dominant and the submissive within BDSM, the dom and the sub, and where it fits into erotica and romance writing, the fantasy, the reality, if there are lines, if there are boundaries, where you can explore and expand and and um, do things that are a little bit different and where you really need to be responsible. And I've been kind of exploring those ideas and uh, the dominant and submissive in writing in romance writing especially and dark romance through history and just just kind of playing around with that as a theme because I think in romance in romance since the era of bodice rippers if you don't know what it's a historical romance novel when they first started coming out in probably the 70s there weren't a ton and then around the 80s they really started to get going late 70s 80s romance novels started to become a thing um uh, i don't remember a lot of them anything between 1970 or really pre-1980 was came out with playboy it came out with penthouse it was and it was male targeted but then historical novels started bringing out romances um for women that were a little bit spicier and the spice grew and grew and they started to explore some themes but almost always part of the bodice ripping things the the non-consent or the dubious consent was a dominant and submissive um kind of relationship and i've been exploring that in more writing modern writing terms um so i have asked uh bliss to come on to the show and then i was looking at a profile and girl you got so much going on. So I really want to talk about all your stuff and everything and ask you some questions about that as well. Now I see you. There you are. I'm going to invite you up. There you are. And there you are. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. (laughs) Well, hello. Hello. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm a little nervous. I can't lie. I'm a bit nervous. Uh, oh, don't be nervous. Don't. It's just a chat between between friends and a couple other friends. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. There's no reason to be nervous. Um, I uh uh yeah. Well, why don't you first? We'll start off with. I was looking at your profile and all the different things you do. Why don't you kind of? 
be, uh, this is a little hard. If you're not used to self-promoting, it's still sometimes really hard. And I forget half the things I'm supposed to say when I get a chance to do it. So, but no rush. <laughs> we'll just, if you can remember half the things you're doing, then you are way ahead of me. Um, why don't you just share some of the things you are currently up to? Okay. Um, so currently, actually yesterday, an anthology that I'm involved in, um, the Erotic Bedroom Stories, a fairy tale anthology launched, and I think that it's going pretty well. Um, and basically, we decided to take some very popular uh, fairy tales and just turn them on their heads and make them erotic romps. Um, and I took on Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Mine is absolutely ridiculous. Um, my friend Ava Fox, hers was more um, was more of like a traditional retelling. Mine was just it's it's for all the laws. <laughs> it's for all the laws. It's for all the laws. I love that. I was. Oh, I love that so much. I was trying to, um, there is a website called Thought Catalog. And if you ever go there, um, they have all the, they have lists of all the, the bad worldwide euphemisms for sex, for male oh. sex organs and from female sex organs. And I was trying to write some really bad poetry <laughs> using, you know, like, that sounds awesome. Oh, because it is awesome and it is ridiculous. And some of the stuff I have no, I can't even, I don't even know how it fits together. But what was one? Um, oh, the baloney, the baloney pony. I want to ride the baloney pony, you know, just really. That's great. I have uh, oh. an immediate uh, visual. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Wonder Worm, poor Goldie. <laughs> yeah, I just um uh, <laughs> hanging in in the Wonder Worm. <laughs> oh, that's no, awful. That's bad. Don't go there. <laughs> um, and then there's like he wants to park in her lady garden, and I don't, you know, there's it's just some really really bad and some funny ones and some weird ones and you know all the really ones that you know, but like a hundred that you didn't and really didn't need to know, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, Anything I feel like has- Lady Garden I've heard before. Like, I've actually yeah. read in a book. <laughs> lady. It's all the ones that refer to any kind of sea um, sea creature. It's just immediate turnoff for me. <laughs> if you're going clay, anything, any sea creature, it doesn't matter, male oh, or female. Clam. Although most of, yeah, most of it is actually female. I know, it's yeah. horrible. But yeah, okay, anyways, I just had to bring that up. So <laughs> your Goldilocks and the Three Bellers goes through all the laws. And I love that. I love that just unabashed, fun, hilarious, sexy, funny. You know, that's great. I don't think that sex needs to be serious all the time. Like, have fun with it. It yes. should be a joyful expression. And sometimes it's serious, but other times, you know, let yeah, loose. Sometimes it can be a joyful expression. So that's come. That is. What is the name of that anthology? The tell me again the name of it. The it's the erotic bedtime stories, a fairy tale anthology. And I think there's. 11 of us who contributed to it have the lovely cover that uh, Kristen Lance did for us. And 
Um, one of our end pages, if you get the paperback, we all signed it. So that's, uh-huh. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And the proceeds are going to the Trevor Project. So Oh, neat. Oh, very, yes. very cool. Yeah, so it's very, all very for cool. charity. That's wonderful. That's even more wonderful. That's really wonderful. Yeah, especially 11 people. Um, I've been in anthologies where you're, you're not together as a book. It, it, you might be making bank. But when you break it down 11 people after Amazon's cut, you're getting nothing. So, <laughs> But to contribute that all to one place, that's very cool. That's very generous. Um, uh, so you're doing that. But I also saw now, oh, I big. I made my screen big, so I can't look off. Um, you're doing. Uh, you're also an editor of a medium, uh, medium kind of magazine. Is that true? Did I see that? That is true. Um, I'm an editor for two. The one that you probably saw on my Twitter profile is all things sex and erotica, which is a very sex positive, body positive um, zine. We have the Martha cover, Stewart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the Martha Stewart of fuckery. Uh, I think that's perfect. I yeah, oh, now I got blenders <laughs> and expensive kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Over here we have your blender. Over here we have your <laughs> your Jackrabbit three thousand. <laughs> Take your pick. We have it all here. It's fine. Oh, that's beautiful. So you're the editor of that, and then let me look at your your. There are so many. You're with Koji. Okay, I'm gonna look at that, and um, I and, love how uh, it. The other one that I'm editor for is the gray area, and that one is a true crime, dark fiction type of situation. Mm. So I still write erotica there, but um, I'm starting a femme fatale Fridays. And it'll be starting this Friday, actually. So my stories, the erotica there is uh, more murdery. Murdery. <laughs> dark, dark murdery. erotica. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's very, very, that's a different genre to get into. Let's just, you know, let's park on that dark erotica stuff because um, it has such a, I'm not going to, it has kind of a negative, you know, really, really taboo. It's a really, because that's where you get into, you know, the dark erotica into things that people might look at that contribute to, I'm just going to quote unquote, rape culture. And it's fantasy and it's just, and it's working out. I mean, I think literature has a place everywhere. I'm not, I'm not, I I don't, but as far as um, other women and other people, they might look at that and be like, what the heck are you writing and editing? What are you doing? So (laughs) can we talk about that, that kind of, that, that have you experienced any of that kind of pushback or are you just like, this is, you're just owning it. I mean, well, I own it and I, I haven't received pushback yet, but I assume that it will, I will at some point. Um, I think that there's often people feel very uncomfortable with certain topics and situations and they don't give other people the opportunity to experience what they want to or to imagine what they want to. A lot of this can be really cathartic. Um, uh, So there's a CNC, which is consent, non-consent, which is kind of like, 
um, like the rape scenarios that sometimes come up in these stories where the person has consented to it or not if it's in a story. That can be very cathartic for someone who has experienced sexual assault and kind of wants to be able to work through that in a way that's really personal Um, because you're not, you know, it's not something where you're sharing it with your friends or you're really talking about it with the therapist. It's something that you're working out inwardly. And whether, in, in my opinion, whether it's something that is helping you therapeutically or is something that is, uh, I don't know, getting you off, that's really no one else's business but the readers and the author who has created this scenario for them. There you go. Yeah, there's been, um, I've been having, uh, I'm not in it this week, but uh, there is a group that I've been in popping into on, on um, uh, uh, in a, in another platform. And we've been talking about the different aspects of, um, of the privacy in the bedroom and yet, um, where that privacy needs to be public just to let people know this is okay. This is who you are. We're going to accept you. And, um, it's okay to be who you are in the bedroom. But if you never talk about what's in the bedroom, if you never air what's in the bedroom, if you never air the, the make a public place to have your private is, does that make, am I making any sense? There's gotta be the censorship that we're okay. I'll just say Facebook that you get on Facebook just to sell fantasies just to sell erotic fantasies or that's happening through PayPal now with um, content makers the censorship that is taking away the right to pay for or to buy or to sell adult content to other adults is getting to be really constricting and ridiculous it's just it's not I yeah so um this this dark genre, which can be very cathartic, I totally agree, for the writer and for the reader, uh, can put a voice to um, desires, but also uh, the experience. Yeah, there's so much in there. Um, if you take away that story, I always think that there's so much power in the story, in understanding and seeing and seeing yourself and seeing somebody else and knowing you're not alone. I was having a conversation with somebody about... Um, you know, the darkness that hi- that we put in the closet, and we never let out that just grows and grows and grows. And how sometimes it just wants to be fed. So how do you feed the darkness? Well, books is a good way to do it. Writing and reading is really a good way to exercise some of that darkness. I find it really interesting that people do not seem to have the same issues with dark movies as they do with dark books. There um, are oh good lord yes there's some really they they take them to cans they go out yeah. and they get awards and people They're are like, celebrated <laughs> whereas with dark fiction like dark erotic fiction a lot of times with Amazon um it'll be put in like the quote unquote in the basement where if someone searches for that book it won't pop up and pop up the searches um if you have a book that is incredibly erotic and especially if there's a dark erotica um you're not going to be able to put ads on it you're not going to be able to put ads on it and on amazon and it's going to be really difficult to sneak it through facebook oh good my my cover um it has a butt on it and and the guy's hands on the butt 
it's not the most risque thing you've ever seen. Facebook would not allow it. I could not make an ad with that cover. Um, <laughs> and TikTok, when I was trying to, like, you know, talk about it on TikTok, uh, the, the video was immediately flagged, like, three yeah. times because of the butt. <laughs> it's like people i don't but if you're 13 year old and you show you know um you can get away with it i don't know i don't even begin to understand you know if you're 13 and you're in a thong um (laughs) i i really don't i feel like that is probably a little bit more problematic than this picture yeah oh yeah the the (laughs) the censorship rules right now are are just crazy and uh, you know t- twitter is a free for all but nobody can sell books on twitter because we're all writers over there <laughs> you know you can sell a little but that's not where the readers are so you can't go where the readers are and then you have to even some of the book reviewers i know they're like making up new words you know <laughs> so they don't right. get banned to review the yeah and exact i'm just uh, now i'm th- you're thinking about the you know the movies and the how they're celebrated into these dark look at the the psyche of the human mind and how you might leave that movie really disturbed but it's going to get all kinds of you know it may not make a million dollars but it's still going to get awards and all the snooty people are going to love it and the actors and i'm really excited to be a chance to be in that movie and and they could if they wanted to they could totally advertise it i mean there's nothing in dark erotica that isn't in some of the um some of the themes from a um oh pan's labyrinth it you know that guy his movie um uh he's made a couple movies he made the underwater movie um that had some crazy themes interesting themes and it was celebrated i can't yeah it's why do books get the i don't know i don't know it's it's I have um, a little bit of a theory um, because when you think about it, um, horror, horror has a ton of taboos that I, and it doesn't seem like they are stopped from like advertising, right? But horror always has, there's sexual assaults, there's cannibalism, there's so many things happen in horror yeah. books, but they're still able to have a platform. I think that there is a lot of taboo still associated with sex in general and then when you bring in these these darker influences into the sex it it just it it just becomes too much for certain um entities to handle uh do you remember the OnlyFans scandal where they were about to like deplatform all these people because of the funding that was again it was you know follow the money there was yeah. a funding issue where I think it was with a MasterCard yeah, was, was MasterCard. changing. Yeah. Was changing their rules and regulations. And they didn't like that. There was all of this adult um, adult centered content on OnlyFans, which was a platform that started with mostly adult centered content. Yeah. Why are we, you know, as, as a society, why are we trying to regulate the kind of content that adults are able to consume and to buy? Yeah. It, what is the, what is the purpose of it? 
It, it, yeah, it, well, it's somebody's getting power. Somebody's get it's it is follow the money. It's got to be. It's follow the money and who's getting the power and who's getting the money and who's regulating it because some of it gets through. We all know some of it gets through, and um, uh, you just I it's a it's a big question. I I know. I mean, I have to admit, erotic horror makes me uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean there's no place for it, and it probably makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But that's it's. If it's, it's anything, you know, it's like my, if it's not your cup of tea, don't drink it. Just walk away. If it's not your thing, don't look at it. Why does it have to be on the, when you shove things in the dark, like in the dark web, that just breeds room for real illegal, scary, you know, snuff type stuff to happen. It just makes room for, for for darker things to happen as far as I'm concerned. If you bring them out into the light and let people see them, could they trigger uh, an addiction? I, every kink I've ever, just to answer that question myself, and I'll, then I'll let you ask you, if, if somebody asked you that question. For me, every kink I ever heard of sat, started when a kid was young, under the age of 10, sometimes even younger. Most kinks start young, and they start before you've even you know, developed a sexual identity. So a kink towards whore, um, whatever that is, is going to be triggered or brought on, I think, I don't know, I haven't studied it, but I swear every person I've ever talked to that has a unique kink, especially, it started when they were a child, when they hadn't even connected sex to it. And it is when you, when you take these things and you shove them down and you don't talk about them and you pretend they don't exist, I feel like they're cockroaches and they just get, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's just becomes, especially in our country, in America, I don't know, but it just becomes a problem if you don't ever talk about it. If you pretend like it doesn't exist, if you pretend like something that makes you uncomfortable is, is, you know, it just becomes a problem where illegal and uh, things and abusive things can happen. So, oh, now that I had my 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 bucket, my soapbox moment, I'll let you talk. What do you think? I mean, if you if if there was no place for this, if there's no place to express this, what do you think would happen? Do you think bringing it out in the open perpet makes it more likely to perpetuate it? Oh, somebody's going to pick it up and suddenly want to do commit acts acts of erotic horror on another on their girlfriend. I mean. <laughs> I feel like if someone wants to do that, then that's going to be something that they want to do. It is not necessarily the um, the media that they consume. It was kind of like, remember in the 80s where they were trying yeah. to blame um, – like heavy metal and video games for heavy metal violence. video games and D and D for all the, the dominants who are in the room, whoever come into, I know y'all love D and D. Don't tell me you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, right? Cause you know, <laughs> I'm just imagining like the chart, like the circle graph of, uh, B BDSM and D and D and like the bigs meeting in the middle. Yeah, I would I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I swear. Okay, just side note: Henry Cavill, he paints figurines. He loves D and D and video. I swear, he's a dom in the closet, but he just can't let it out. Anyways, okay, um, okay, I'm done. <laughs> 
Yeah, it becomes this, it's just this taboo, and they want to turn blame on it, and they don't want to look at it, they don't want to make room for it, and I don't think, for one thing, erotic horror is not new. It's been around since Poe, Edgar, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. Some of his stuff was very, I mean, and they printed it in the newspaper. It was very erotic. It had a sensuality to it that was just, and I don't even, I hadn't even studied him, but I bet there's more. Man, he was doing drugs too, so I know there's more. Stuff he didn't get written down while he was high. I don't know. But, you know, it's been around forever because it is a dark part of the human psyche. And some people, that darkness is bigger than others. So um, I think that's really cool. Do you think, um, just to put a gender on it, between um, uh, uh, writers of it, horror is very much a... um, I do know women who do it, but in comparison to romance, um, horror would be a man's uh, 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 have be a man male dominated genre. Have you um, have do you read it and have you noticed that, or does that make any difference in your writing? Or um, I used to write horror back in the day, um, but. I decided that I wanted to concentrate on other things. So I, like I have a pen name where I write cozy mysteries uh, because I needed an outlet that was purely just the, the bad guy is always caught and there's a happy ending. I needed something like that. So that's what I turned to um, with erotica. I wanted somewhere where I could express all of this pent up sexual emotion. I needed somewhere, I needed an outlet. And I think that um, when you look at, uh, let's say if you look at the top 100 erotica writers, the majority of them are gonna be women or at least, you know, pen names that are female. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just say it. So, and I feel that it's because, um, it's because that there's so many women who are in this genre, I feel like that is really why it's so heavily policed. Like, honestly, that's that's what it feels like to me. Because there's really no reason when the things that are written about, even these taboos, are expressed in so many other ways and other forms of media. So why is this genre so heavily policed? And if anyone in the comments would like to join in on this one, Please do, because I'm so curious, other than the uh, patriarchy bringing us down, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Why would it be more policed than others? Why is, and especially in a country like you were saying, where violence is the norm when it comes to our media consumption, most of our media, our movies, our popular R-rated movies have some kind of severe violence you know oh look at the artful blood spray you know (laughs) why is it being policed yeah and uh that is interesting i don't know i don't know it feels like we're still very uncomfortable with um feminine sexuality and however it comes out like okay here's another example contemporary romance romance in general is the biggest selling uh, genre of books. It's, it's yes, a, it's Huge. a billion dollar industry. Yeah, billions of dollars of people, mostly women, 
who are buying these books, and yet it has it is ha, it has no gravitas. It it's given no respect. Why it, is that? That it you know it's true. And I was thinking about that the other day um, in terms of um, women's uh, uh, that kind of the bedroom topic. Um, you know what we hide and what we admit to and what we keep. You know romance novels they used to come out with the sexy covers and whatever, but women would hide the covers because their friends would make friend fun of them or they didn't want their husband and their kids to see or whatever. It was just a shirtless guy. Uh, when I got my, I was so happy when I got my first shirtless guy cover, I was like, ah, dream come true. Um, <laughs> you know, he lost his shirt. I don't know where it went. Oh, I'm glad it's gone. Um, no, uh, it, 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 it was, uh, why Why were we ashamed of that? And I would have women come into my, I asked in a group, a dark romance group once, you know, when you read your book, do you have to hide your book, what you read from others? And there were all kinds of people. There were women who had were wearing burkas in their, in their profile pictures who were in my dark romance group, reading dark romance and hiding it. And one of them was a young lady. And she said she got in the car with her grandmother once and her grandmother saw the book and knew what it was. And they're both wearing burkas in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and if you don't know, I did the burqa is like, if you're Islam, you're going to wear the full, it's a full covering of clothes. You know, you're, you're not, you're, you're not wearing the face usually with the burqa, but your hair is covered and your, your, it's modest clothing because you're covering your modesty. Now I know some women who I've actually had the conversation with and there are modern young women who are like, I'm taking control of my sexuality by controlling what others see. And that's how they see it. And so good for them. And there are other women who do it out of tradition and because they're they're because their patriarchy has made them because their mothers have made them and their fathers have made them because it's their religious and cultural tradition so um to each their you know if your own but it was just really funny to me that um and there were christian all kinds of women old ladies young ladies all kinds of christian um women and the other thing about dirty books is that most girls tend to read them in junior high and high school way before we're supposed to be reading stuff like that <laughs> when i've asked that question what what was your gateway book you know <laughs> and when I was it reading romances when i was nine um my mom had a huge collection and i would i love to read and it was either the romances um, my dad's porn that he had hidden in the top shelf in the bathroom behind the curtain or my brother's Westerns. Um, so I went for the romance, but <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like the better option, but like all of these romances I learned about, like, I'm sure I learned some, um, probably not actual ways that people interact, but I did learn more about how people think and how they interact. And I started learning about different cities and countries and spaces and places. I'm from small town, West Virginia, you know? So for me to learn about what people were doing in France or what someone was doing in Colorado was just amazing to me and it became something that bonded me and my mom we would talk about these romances and we were talking about characters you know how it is when you get a group of people who like (laughs) love love them 
<laughs> we're yeah. talking about characters, you know, like we know them, like they live next door. And I can't wait for this author to come out with the next book in that series. And it became such a bonding moment that um, I'm sad for other women who don't allow themselves to have that moment. Yeah, that's neat that you got to have that with your mom. Um, I'm going to back up. Melissa says, if we look at films such as Devil's Rejects or the character Harley Quinn, the violence or sense of horror, there doesn't seem to be much judgment. Oh, there isn't. Gosh, I wish I could be Harley Quinn. To hide the books or make them inaccessible, is it suppressed our sexual freedoms. It does. And who do we, I mean, who, um, yeah, why, why we, we still find them. I mean, maybe we're suppressed, but we're still find, finding them when we're young. <laughs> we're finding our mother's <laughs> book, our grandmother's books. We're still getting our hands on those. And you're right. The the industry is um, not only um, dominated, the romance industry not only dominates the book industry, it also, um, the readers, it's, it's, I love, you know, the history of erotic romance and um, erotica, because if you look at how it grew from digital books, it was written by women for women. And that is so cool to me. And then Amazon comes in and eats everything up. And we're not going to talk about Amazon. I'm not happy with Amazon tonight. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who had her books, she was deplatformed and everything and oh my gosh but um, another person yes another and just out of the blue oh, and she's in no. she's in one of my groups and so um there is actually a um there is like a new like the romance um, readers of like the romance writers of America, there's a new group for indie authors specifically that is going to, I guess is helping to advocate for when that happens because it was out of the blue. There was no reason it was a content violation, but they didn't cite what it was. It's just, you know, which is part that of the problem. That's what they do. It's all smoke yeah, and mirrors. It How is. And they fix it. If you don't know what the problem is. Exactly. You have oh. no idea what the problem is. You can't fix it. You don't get a warning. There is nothing. They just take everything off the shelf and then you're done. And, and there's um, no one to talk to. And then there's no person to talk to. Getting a hold of somebody is is um, really terrible. Yeah, we when that happened to Ruby Dixon, we we're all like, oh, you know, she had just hit. It was. It's just ridiculous. And following the even. So I'm just to catch listeners up. Ruby Dixon is a romance writer. She went, um, she's been doing indie for years. She has a huge catalog. Um, she got yeah, really popular, was dominating. Um, she got popular because a few people started reading her books on TikTok. She went viral. Um, and uh, her books started dominating the bestsellers list. And then one book, they said one content violation. And I think they pulled everything in yeah. one night without any word to her they just sent her and then they and then people t call and say where are her books and they say the author took them down they just lied it was either a glit they don't even know and they never they just ended up after after tons millions of readers literally <laughs> i can't imagine just all the feedback they got but they, she got them back up but she's a big author now she's somebody with pull and you get somebody who sells, you know, hardly any books and I'm mean, less than a 500 books a year or whatever. Um, you have no pull. They don't care. They so don't care. Um, yeah. Amazon is another, their arbitrary rules just drive everybody mad. 
You just don't know. Yeah. How are you going to sell your books? Where are you selling books? <laughs> how can you sell erotic horror? Because they would pull it if they knew. It's, it's hard. Um, a lot of people who write the more like quote unquote taboo um, topics, they sell their Smashword. But now Smashword you. has, um, they've partnered with um, that draft to digital. Oh no! Um, yeah, and which, digital is doing it. Oh, and drafted digital is very much um, more on the Amazon side of things. And this just happened um, within the last two weeks. So everyone's kind of wondering how is that going to work out for the people who write the things that are a little on the uh, the darker side of things. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. Um, that uh, one of my co-authors of the anthology, Alexa Summers, it happened to her. Uh, Amazon arbitrarily ripped down some of her books and I'm, she went through it. She went through it for quite some time before wow. they finally reinstated her books. She still doesn't really know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, how do you feel confident to create these books you take your time you take hours you if you're an indie you're putting your own money into the investment you're investing yeah. in yeah. formatting and editing cover design um advertising if you can like everything and then it's just taken it's just taken from you yeah Melissa says Amazon is hypocritical. If we look at the psych thriller series, them, it featured very violent race and racism. It's true. It did. And wasn't it produced? Wasn't it them produced by Amazon? It is. Yeah. It, they are completely, completely. And they don't care about the bottom line of their, and we have no recourse. We have no way other than somebody eventually is going to do a class asset action lawsuit and break up their monopoly. People are like, well, they don't have a monopoly. They're just a company out to make a buck and da, 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 da. But they do. When you own 70% of the ebook market. <laughs> right. And um your platform is the controlling platform and yeah there's um yeah brick and mortar stores went out of business when Amazon really took a stronghold of book the book brick and mortar stores ebook companies they wiped out countless ebook companies because they became the main platform and they don't yeah uh anyways i could talk about this for hours so um <laughs> Yeah. This is what's known as a hot button issue. It is, yeah, exactly right. I, I called up your website. It says Bliss Winters, satisfying a need to tell stories about black women owning their sexuality and getting what they want. There is no shame in being sexual and enjoying being desired. BDSM, voyeurism, and exhibition play heavily in these stories. 18 plus, please. Welcome to the dark side. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty hot. Um, <laughs> so you. which side of the D and the S do you identify on? Well, I am what is known as a switch. But I uh, currently I'm leaning more toward the submissive side of things. So you're leaning towards – and one of the reasons I um, asked – I put out a call for um, the uh, kind of – 
trying to find, to discuss the line between um, uh, the dominant and the submissive in um, BDSM um, and reality versus fantasy, because I write fiction and it, it shows up in my books in fiction, purely fiction form. But, um, you know, then you get books like Fifty Shades of Grey, which I admittedly have never read. I read the first cover or the first page and I thought, oh my gosh, this is for third graders. I'm not going to read <laughs> because of the writing level. I, I'm sorry to be insulting. If you loved it, you loved it. But the writing level at that time, I'd already been reading um, better written um, books for years and I was just offended for other authors. I, I got up on my writer high horse and so I never read it. And then I find out later that it's all these other negative things. Um, it just wasn't for me. And uh, um but anyways, uh, in that the BDSM is represented and people in BDSM often, often point out all the unhealthy aspects of it. And that's why they get angry because it promoted something really false and unhealthy and fake. And, um, versus pure fantasy where I'm exploring ideas about, um, between dominance and submissive and fantasy sex. It is, if, it's fantasy sex because the men are all six and a half feet, seven, eight feet tall, and the women are all five, 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 six. You know, <laughs> there's no, you know, and the the boy parts have unusual attributes. Bonus sure. features? Yeah, the oh. boy parts have unusual bonus features and the girl parts, some of them do have also have unusual bonus features. So I am going for the fantasy, but yet tapping into some reality romancy emotions. I don't write it campy. I write it over the top, um, um, probably over the top um, uh, romantic, because if you can use sex uh, glorious and orgasm in the same paragraph, <laughs> I'm going to do that. So, <laughs> so I, I write the fantasy and, um, but I've gotten called on the carpet. I write this whole fantasy thing and then I get to the end and, and somebody's like he spanked her when she was pregnant that is not you know that's a no-go for me and I'm like wait <laughs> that she was newly pregnant like first weeks pregnant right not like fully hugely but not just that but where did the part you missed that he's seven feet tall and she's you know this and they live here and they do this and they've done this and you know did you miss all of that because it might not have been working toward uh reality here yeah we were we, i wasn't playing in the reality camp and so i thought you know there are um and there are do i do my characters are not raped but i do a um, explore themes of misogyny, extreme misogyny, and violence, and um, raw primal feelings in my work that um, would never, you know, um, it's romance, but I realized I have three books where the main characters meet within, in the middle of a bloodbath and then have sex. So that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> yeah, <I'm, probably> not. <laughs> most people don't do that. You know, um, one of my, it's so funny, one of my characters that people love he literally goes from killing a man with his own arms to having sex with the woman in the room and nobody cares so but at the end when he spanks her and she's pregnant i got in trouble so um <laughs> well i i feel like that kind of speaks to you never really know what's going to trigger someone you know it is sometimes, it's true sometimes it's things that you think are terribly innocuous and 
you know, maybe that woman was pregnant and was just like, I would be so pissed off if someone spanked me right now. <laughs> like, don't do that. She you was know? on a, she, in this particular story, she was on a specialized bench made to fit her that was padded, very comfortable. It was just still. It was like, oh my gosh, you spanked the pregnant woman. Oh my, it's still funny to me. So anyways, that was one reason why I wanted to have this conversation. Is there a line? Is there a responsibility for the author? So as a real life submissive, leaning submissive, and a writer and creator and editor, what what do you say? Is there a line uh, for you when it comes to writing um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears? <laughs> Well, with that one, not so much. But um, <laughs> I have a um, Whips and Fantasies series that it, uh, the first, the second book will be coming out sometime, probably during this quarter. Um, I try to make it pseudo realistic, like I mean, they're they're in this man's ma- mansion and he's holding this dark circus event that's going over a three-day period. Uh, That's probably over the top. That's probably not really going to happen. But I try to concentrate on consent and the submissive having the the power to say no or to stop proceedings if she so desires or he so desires, because there are male submissives in the stories as well. but I really think the, that it's imperative that authors are able to write what they want to write. And I don't think that they should always necessarily have to write realistically. Um, I think that if you, as an author, if that's what you want, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to sneak in a little bit of education into your erotica while you're uh you know while someone's getting their ass beat that's great but i also think that authors shouldn't necessarily have to do that i feel that when we start dictating what creatives should do i think that that takes away some uh, that takes away the power of the creative and i never want that to happen i love that i love that that is, you know, the power of the creative to tell the story, to tell it in different ways, to, it's, it's not, yeah, yeah, that's good, good point. Does anybody have any questions um, that you want to throw in if you're in the audience, if you want to ask Bliss or me a question, um, I do want to give you a chance to do that as we talk about this subject. Um, have you been in, are you in community in BDSM or are you um, exploring independently? How can you, would you be willing to tell me a little bit about that journey? I'm curious. Sure. Um I started playing in the realm of BDSM um, in my 20s, and it was quite on accident. And once I realized that I had this proclivity, um, I started to kind of find partners who also liked to explore in that way. And... um, my last partner, we participated in um, FetLife, if anyone 
is unfamiliar is an online um, fetish community, essentially. And it's, it's not the best place, but it is a good place to find other people who are interested in the same, your same kinks and events that you can attend and ways that, and you can find out about like educational classes and ways to learn more about doing things in a safe and sane manner. Um, so we attended different events and met people and learned about things. And, um, but that was when we were living in Hawaii and I've moved back to West Virginia and I haven't. <laughs> Nothing in West Virginia. I haven't, really, I haven't really found anything. But on the other hand, there's this like whole pandemic thing happening. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm not really yeah. trying to find anything at this point. So a lot of my play has been online. A lot of your play has been online. Um, what has, what is that? You know, when the pandemic started, I, I have, um, I made a ton of friends on Twitter, just some really amazing people and um, a lot of writers and a lot talking to a lot of people. And there's a whole world out there online that is just, I don't know, I don't that I never could have anticipated 15 years ago, really. What has your online experience been like? If somebody was curious and they were in your position and all they could do was get some of their questions answered or even find a partner online, do you have any um, advice or uh, any guidance in that direction? I would say um, be careful who you decide to partner with. Um, find out more about them other than just what they're presenting about themselves. See if you can, if you have some mutuals and friends and uh, ask them about that person. And um, my online persona is very over the top sexual. So for me to find a play partner might not be as difficult or as it would be for someone who's maybe a bit more reserved or a bit more shy. Um, there's like a whole side of Twitter, not safe for work Twitter, where <laughs> I talk about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But that's where people talk the most about sex and they're more open about their sexuality. And it's probably a bit easier to find someone to, who wants to explore in that way with you. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, say if you are on the S side of the, the, um, the, the DS don't, um, I, I was having this conversation. It was on um, TikTok actually. I'm like, don't, don't post your test results be, unless you're ready for um, a reaction, a response. If you post, you put your test results out there, um, you're going to have visitors and don't be surprised. Uh, <laughs> they, they, people are going to come knocking at hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> you know that you're going to get some of that. If you post your, um, your results publicly, that there will be, a response um, um are you talking about the bdsm yes test the bdsm test or there there's another one alpha 
Uh, I'd have to look it up. I took that one too. Um, um, yeah, but it's it's harder to post actually because it breaks it down in different ways, and so it's harder to to put up. But yeah, the BDSM test. If you post it, I have noticed that um, you get. <laughs> I've actually never posted mine publicly, but um, yeah, you do get a a result. And so, but it is a good way to sexual alpha test. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. C. (laughs) Thank you, CL. I I think that those kind of tests are really fun when you're communicating with someone and you can like exchange your results and see how you kind of fit together or if you do fit together. I think they're fun in that way. Um, yeah, they're not necessarily, you know, always conti- – the questions are so general, but they give you an idea of where you start. What Maybe maybe if you haven't been asking these questions of yourself, you know, yeah. whether or not you like to be bossed around in the bedroom. That's one of the questions, I think, you know. <laughs> so, right. Um, so in, go ahead. Were you going to say – I don't want to cut you off. You were going to say something. Um, so I was thinking about in terms of finding a dom person, whether male, female, or other, I think that it's important to have open and honest communication with whomever the person is and discuss what their, how much experience that they have. Do they have experience? Is it more world spirit experience or is it more online experience um what what kind of dom are they are they more of a service dom are they more of a um are they more of a like control centered dom are they like try to see what they want and where you can meet that if you can meet that because The thing about it is not every top, not every dom is meant for every submissive and vice versa. Sometimes you just don't connect and that's okay. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to ruin your experience. It's just, you know, this is just another one of those things. Just like any form of sex. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. (laughs) Sometimes it just doesn't happen. So in your, in your writing, since you kind of are a little, you know, you're a little bit switchy, how, how, how much has your, has your real life played into your writing at all? Or has, um, has it in, um, inspired it in any way? Uh, or I guess, I don't know. I don't mean, you know, are you writing your memoir? That's not what I mean. I mean, um, as your journey has progressed, has your writing changed? Why don't I ask that question? I think so. I think so. Well, because initially when the journey started, I wasn't writing any, I don't even know if I was writing fiction. I was uh, working for newspapers. So I was writing articles and I started like a blog, you know, when everyone was blogging. So it's definitely changed in that aspect of just what I'm writing these days. Um, I feel like my imagination has, uh, <laughs> has spread. It's, it's very open these days. I, it's fertile ground. Do you ever surprise yourself by where your imagination and your characters take you? Yes. 
<laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I oh, we're, we're, that. we're going <laughs> here today, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, so this is where we're okay, well, all right then. Someone asked me one how how I write, and I'm like, well, I feel like I'm sitting down to the computer and I have like all the characters from the sixth sense, like ghosts surrounding me, and they're pushing fighting each other and saying who's gonna go first. And Whoever gets to the top wins. No, they're just voices in my head. And it's all from, you know, it it does feel like that sometimes. And sometimes they very much do. I do get very surprised. I'm like, oh, we're going to go here? Really? Okay, I'm going to write it, but I'm probably going to pull this out later. <laughs> and I right. never do. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm going to pull that scene. No, not going to do it. <laughs> I wrote this... Um post called hard shots broken dreams and i think that it's in the gray area on medium and it's it's not erotic sometimes you know you just want to write something else so occasionally i'll write just like a a gritty kind of short story and this one it was about this young woman she is walking through the snow she goes to this bar where she knows people it's like cheers but sadder and cheers uh, but sadder yeah. cheers <laughs> but sadder and um so she's sitting there and the man that she thought her brothers had murdered for her comes into the bar <gasps> and there's a, like there's a whole thing and oh. my friend asked me he's like well where did that story come from and I was, I was like, well, um, I pictured this girl walking down the middle of a an empty, like, nasty road that was covered in snow, and she was huddled under a jacket. And he's like, but where did it come from? And I was like, that's where it came from. It, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> that was her it. story. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently she wanted me to write a story about her, so I did. There you go. Yeah, some of my characters inform create my world. They they tell me who the world is because of who the character is, and that's really cool. I I call it intuitive writing. I don't know what who I'm intuiting, but <laughs> that's what I call it. I, it's intuitive writing. Yeah, I don't really plot very much um, yeah. unless I'm writing a longer work and I've like written myself into a corner. Then yeah. I'll try to plot and figure it out, but. Otherwise, so how I'm, long have you been writing then? If you were doing newspaper work and how long have you been how long have you been writing? Um I wrote my first story when I was a single digit kid. And it was about <laughs> it was about a um a farmer who found this ring that granted him all these wishes and like they were super poor and then they became rich at the end. Um <laughs> And then most of growing up, I did like journaling and poetry. Um, I did poetry up until maybe 2016 or so. And then once I graduated from high school, I went into writing, um, doing news and blog posts. And then I had some health issues in 2012. And I decided if, if it's going to happen, it better be now. So I started writing fiction and concentrating on novels. 
There you go. Uh, Melissa says, where does the writing inspiration come from? Porn, fantasies, actual experience, or just creative mindset? I, I wish that I knew exactly where it came from. So I feel like if I knew exactly where it came from, then I would be able to tap into it more easily. I'm not really sure. Sometimes it'll, sometimes I, I wrote a story was from a newspaper article. It just made something happen in my brain. And I wrote something that was completely different, but it was sparked from that. Sometimes it's been from um, like a sexy post on Twitter. Um, sometimes it's been from a, a sexting session with a partner. And I'll ask them if it's cool if I write a story about it. And um, sometimes it just, just comes from like a picture of a girl in my brain. And I'm like, well, I think she wants me to write her story. Um, the, the Dom and his wet kitty, that one came from me thinking about um, women of a certain age who had gotten out of long-term relationships and were trying to figure out who they were. Not only just like, you know, because, you know, if you're in a long-term relationship, things have changed about yourself that you don't even realize, you know, you've become a totally different person. It's 10, 15, 20 years later. Who are you now? So finding out who I am or who she is as just the individual, but also as a sexual being, because now there's a freedom that she hadn't, hasn't experienced before. So each book is going to be focused on a different aspect of her finding her sexual self. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> that's very cool. Kind of her journey, her personal journey, finding her sexual self. I like that. You know, today on Twitter, on um, TikTok, I went on a rant. I'm like, okay, this is the difference between erotica and romance. Erotica is one person's sexual journey, and you can do so much in that. And it doesn't have to be one relationship. It can be lots of really, but it's her sexual journey to a culmination or his or whoever to right. an ending. And romance is two people and their romantic journey, which can have a ton of sex, or actually you can have more than two people now, but it's still romantic and it's still the journey to the ending, which is a happily ever after, which is what readers want. Now it has not the content what's in the middle and how much sex they have has nothing to do with the genre. I don't care what Amazon says. (laughs) I I agree. I think it's more of kind of like the character arc and the purpose like even just the purpose of the sex yeah like, it's it, sex propelling the story is the story just all about the sex um i actually think that i'm writing um erotic uh, r- romance like romance erotica i think i'm in that world which you probably are you probably are I, if they're at the end and they want to be together at the end and it's two people or are 10 it doesn't really matter anymore you know because reverse harem is hot and it's still considered romance um then uh yeah then it's then it's romance and there's a lot that gets amazon will pop it into erotica if they think there's a lot of sex but you're marketing to a romance market if it's two people and 
you know, romancy. So, um, it, yeah, it's a thing. It's a big, it's a difference to me because I, I harp on it because you can, when, if you're a reader and you're shopping for the books, those different, that, the, the happily ever after and not getting it, that's a big difference. You know, if you're just reading a book about a kink and you're just getting off in the story about the kink or whatever, it's a whole different market. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a whole different target market. And so, um, uh, and where Amazon puts it and everything is really frustrating and all of that, but it's still a whole different um, market. So knowing what you're writing and who you're reaching, I mean, if you, if it's erotic romance, you have a huge, massive audience out there that is, you know, and all they want the sexy bits, but they just want the comfort of knowing there's right. a relation. You know, I, I'm, I, I have said commitment is my kink. I love that. <laughs> I like that. That that really turns me on knowing that there's a relationship there at the end of the day and that and two that they are enjoying themselves within that relationship. <laughs> even that even better for me. So um yeah, I harped on it just today. Um we had a couple questions. Where um does the most wanted watched in porn have any influence? on you bliss do you ever um no i don't care no me neither i do did see somewhere that um that uh daddy <laughs> was a big search term over the pandemic for porn because i think oh. more women were home and watching porn and i've noticed it pop up in books more but um yeah i i i've gosh just the other day i was reading a series that was like the daddy doms and there was like five different books and they were all best friends of course and each one of them was a daddy dom and they and- live in a commune with a security <laughs> fence and, and and all the little I mean, girls can carry teddy bears and teddy bears and not feel ashamed no i'm sorry it's just it's as bad as it's it's gotten to be as bad as some of the billionaire romance he's a billionaire biker uh, who flies a jet and also works in the military and he's a famous <laughs> underground kickboxer um <laughs> uh, the fantasies are so real <laughs> i want it all <laughs> don't get me wrong i've read those books and enjoyed the heck out of them so <laughs> right i mean you might joke about it but they are some damn good quality books <laughs> And he runs the mafia too on the side with his brother. I'm going to be releasing a book where um, the mob boss is a woman. Oh, so that's, yeah. The mob boss and her secret agent. Very cool. Very cool. That's a fun one. That sounds very fun. And another question was, and just so you know, hanging in asked it but he's also a voice artist have you thought about branching out to other realms of expression audiobook collaboration endeavors etc well this is Hagenin's uh way to uh help me to promote both of us a bit because we're <laughs> going to be doing some collaborations <laughs> oh is that what that is that's yeah. wonderful i love that that's amazing he has an amazing voice i absolutely adore it um it's yeah. such a great instrument for um the type of sex that i like to write about 
And um, so right now we're doing just a little, a little Twitter thing just to see what happens on his Twitter where it's kind of like a choose your own action or choose your own adventure. So uh, we asked a poll yesterday of what should he do now? And then they've given us an answer and I'm going to write a thing and then he's going to read it with his golden vocal cords. And then, so, but yeah, um, I, I absolutely plan on doing some audiobooks because audiobooks are huge and I want to serve my readers who prefer audiobooks. And when that happens, I'm going to be knocking on this guy's door. There you go. That's great. That is awesome. I'll, I'll find that tweet thread and um, retweet it too. That is very, very cool. Congratulations to you both. Yeah, I love, I love a good voice. Um, I had a friend of my, well, a new friend, her name is Roxy, and she's got a blog about voice actors. And um, every voice actor, I my first experience with a voice actor, I was like, <gasps> with and with the, um, the audio porn, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard anything like that my entire life. I got to tell you. And then I, um, and now I have a, I have a, I've said this before. I have a terrible problem. I'll find these amazing actors and I get to work with them and I write with them. And then I get to know them as people. And I'm sorry, I can't listen to your content anymore. I'll promote you. But if I know you as a person, you are not speaking dirty things in my head. Mm-mm. I cannot do it. Do not talk. No, no. Uh-uh. I started, um, like a few years ago, I started listening a little bit here and a little bit there to like the not safe for work audios. But um, once the pandemic hit, it also blasted me in the face with like some severe depression. Oh, so I started listening to those audios a lot, like too much, mm-hmm. but um, it was making me feel something. And yeah. I just wanted to feel alive. So I started listening to these things like, and it was <laughs> such a weird thing that helped me to heal myself, but it helped me to focus on these, these scenarios and these things that were happening that were of course turning me on, but they were also a way for me to distract myself. Yeah. And I didn't have to think about, the negative things that were, you know, chattering around in my head. And from there, once I did start feeling and I felt alive again, I realized I was really freaking horny, like all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, what am I going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to write, I have to write this stuff. I have to write it. It has to go somewhere. Because if it goes to a person, I'm going to break them. So I better write it out. <laughs> so, so that okay. was a major inspiration for your, <laughs> for your. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I um, I want to finish up, but you know, when the, there was a point in the pandemic when I was like, you know, it would be kind of cool if we could we could have a class to peak to teach people how to sext and I could get a guy to teach the guys and I could get a woman. And so that you could do it with words. And if you want to add pictures in too, but really teach people who maybe haven't done it, the power of some of these good sentences and, Oh man, that would be so. I fun. have to tell you, 
<laughs> writers are some of the best sexters. Oh, it's they incredible. really are. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. You know, I, it takes a writer who can get into your brain and um, who knows how to use the words to affect, to, um, they, yeah, the, some of those converse, they're just beautiful. It's like living in romance books. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, a you really know- dirty, dirty, dirty romance book. <laughs> I'm like, women need this experience. If I could teach a class, is it not me, but me? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know hey, if I could ever do it. If you ever want to do that, let me know. I will absolutely teach a class oh, on wouldn't how that to be sex. Fun? I think that I'm, would be amazing. I create a dictionary. Here you go. Oh, hey, Quincy, we're teaching about teaching a class how to sex. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's so good to see Quincy. Um, What did he say? Oh my. Yeah. I need to learn. I have, I've been good. Quincy's a good friend. So, um, I have never, uh, set him a sexy because he's a voice artist and now I know him as a friend so I can never listen to his content. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll promote you. Actually, Quincy's going to do some writing for her, some, um, a read for me for a character in fact, but, um, yeah, speaking of Amazon, I wrote a sexy scene and I can't put it in a book because they'll ban me. So I'm going to have to put it somewhere else. <laughs> um, you could put it on Medium. I am probably going to put it on my website or my publisher's website. I'm or give it free as a um, you know, email lead because it is oh, a sex and great. Yeah, it's a werewolf and a human woman and it's sex and shifted form and the risk of getting it banned is just, um, it, it might make it through, it's later in the book, it could make it through, but it's still kind of a 50-50 thing, so I'm probably going to pull it. And um, maybe I'll have, uh, maybe I'll write something for Quincy to to uh, narrate. No, I don't know. I mean, Quincy and I have been friends for almost two years now. I know. I don't know if I could. Oh, please. I don't know if I could do it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, don't know. I could never listen to it, Quincy. You just have to do it. <laughs> Quincy's calling oh, you out. I know. Caught. And this scene is really naughty, too. So um, <laughs> I'm going to write you something, just not that scene. What's a guy got to do? <laughs> Quincy, I like you already. Oh, Quincy's a, he's a doll. He's a sweetheart. Um, well, we've been on for about an hour and 15. And I want to let you go. Is there anything else? Is Does anybody else have any questions? Thank you so much for the question. You guys asked really great questions. Um, and is there any other project that we didn't get to that we I want, you wanted to talk about? Because I really wanted you to give a chance to, um, to shout out. That's really cool that um, you're working with Hanging In. I'm late. Oh, no. Yes, I'm just finishing up. Thanks so much. Um, Fun as a newbie. Glad to have you here, Melissa. There is... um, I am going to be doing... Right now, we're calling it the Pink Sands Resort collab. But essentially, it's going to be in May where we are going to be writing... Well, we'll have already written books that are set at this uh, Paradise Resort. And Every day, a different book of ours we're going to be dropping in um, Kindle Unlimited. I think my day is maybe the 15th or something. But if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get all the information. 
I will have your um, your links in the uh, when I repost this. So yes, listeners, her links are in the information box when I repost this. So just hit that tap. Um, I think there's a, probably a little scroll down button so you can get all of Bliss's links. Um, yeah, that would be. And your your recent book is the anthology with the story yeah. Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's a fairy yeah. tales for adults, and hers is kind of a romp, kind of a funny, I got to see that. Yes, I absolutely will post her links. Um, Bliss Winters, uh, she is satisfying a need to tell stories about black women owning their sexuality. I love that, owning their sexuality and getting what they want. There is no shame in being sexual and enjoying being desired. BDSM, voyeurism, and exhibition play heavily in these stories. Um, and then your Twitter is, let me see. At Lipped Steel. At whipped steel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not subtle, y'all. I tell you what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Quincy, you missed it, and it was very good. We talked about everything. She writes um, everything from um, erotica. She's got a book on um, Amazon called uh, The Dominant, and what was it? The Dom and His Wet Kitty. That's the Dom and His Wet Kitty. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Can I just quickly tell you? Please. I hadn't planned on putting it on Amazon. I wrote this story just to see if I could kind of sell books without doing a lot of advertising for it. And the plan was for it to be on Smashwords and just to see how it was received. And somehow that changed, and it was too late. I already had the cover. <laughs> and, so, and so now I'm, like, I'm literally blushing right now because, oh, gosh, the Dom and his wet kitty. And then, um, I mean, geez, talk about not being subtle. Oh, so that was that was just a thing and now there's going to be at least two more of them the dom and his blank kitty (laughs) his hungry kitty the dom and his (laughs) you you are not wrong that's book two go buy those books too (laughs) (laughs) so that's the thing oh my god and the first time I realized men were reading my books I'm like oh no you're not my target audience I don't want to talk to you no I was so not prepared for that um um, one man read um wet kitty and he gave me such a glowing review because he said he said that it reminded him of when he used to participate and go to fetish events and that oh. it felt very real for him, which was like the biggest compliment that anyone could give me. Oh. Uh, I felt like I had like won a million dollars. I felt so good about it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. So yeah, Quincy, and we she talked about her experience with audio artists, and you missed that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to replay it. You'll just have to listen to the replay. Play, re- replay. So, anyways, and. <laughs> 
I'll tease it. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I had a really great time talking to you. Yeah, and if we ever do this sexting class, if I ever decide to get, yeah, I will. I would love to do that with you. I think it would be one oh, of the. I mean, I, if women I are doing pole idea. dancing, and I think it would just be a fun group to have. You know, I think it would be hilarious, and it would we be could, so much fun. Yeah. You know, how to, oh, I'm not even going to go, I'm not saying that for you, gentlemen. No. Mm -mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bliss. And um, you have a great evening and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. This has been (laughs) Um, Isabel and Wright's Stories for Adults. I'm laughing because that was just such a fun conversation all the things we hit. Would you join, Melissa? Quincy, you couldn't join. Um, <laughs> it would be a women only, because we'd want to be free. It'd be online. We wouldn't do Zoom, no video. Um, maybe we'd do audio or something like this. Oh, I could do a private. I could do a private podcast. <laughs> we could be eight women learning how to do some sexy, sexy, sexy without pictures. Use the words. Let's use our words. Tell your story. Own your sexuality. Own your identity. Yeah. Thank you, guys. 